0: You're listening to Drones in America on Market Scale. Your host, Grant Guillot leads the Unmanned Aircraft Systems Practice Team for the law firm of Adams and Reese. Every week, he will be chatting with leaders, influencers, and experts who are impacting the rapidly growing commercial drone industry in the United States to help us through the complex web of technology and policy. We are joined today by Lisa Elman. Lisa, thank you so much and welcome to the program.
1: Thanks so much, Grant. Great to be here with you.
0: So why don't we jump straight into it. Tell me how you first became involved in the commercial drone industry.
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, I actually, I feel really fortunate because I worked on emerging technologies policy for many years from the federal government side, from the policy side, um, you know, working in various uh, appointments Uh, both at the White House and at the Department of Justice and focusing generally on emerging technologies. But then this was back in 2012, 2013, uh, you know, when Congress mandated that the federal government integrate drones into our national airspace, I was asked to help lead that policy development within the federal government. And so really saw firsthand how, what an exciting new industry this was going to be. The, all of the various issues around, you know, how policy and regulations was, were critical in order to enable and open this industry and recognize that I could really probably help the industry more from the outside. So I left the federal government and launched a drones practice. And, and here we are.
0: That's great. So tell me a little bit about your work with President Barack Obama's administration. What all did you do there? Because I know you were heavily involved in in, in several aspects there.
1: Yeah. So, you know, back I started working for President Obama back in 2007 or so. He was actually my my constitutional law professor in law school and a, a mentor of mine in law school um, at University of Chicago. He was um, a fantastic professor. And, you know, obviously, you know, it was a great honor getting to work with him, um, both on his campaign where I was a policy strategist, uh, focusing on all different types of policy issues and then moving to the transition team where I did some digital strategy and Uh, emerging technologies policy. And then over at the White House, um, you know, over the next several years, I was kind of back and forth between the White House and Department of Justice. And again, my focus was on policy and emerging technologies. I worked at the Office of Science and Technology Policy. I worked at the Office of Management and Budget. I, um, you know, and then my last appointment was at the Department of Justice, where I ran UAS policy development and participated on the White House interagency team that was tasked with integrating drones into our national airspace so it all kind of flowed from you know the the initial policy work into uh into really having the opportunity to try to open up this industry in a way that is safe in a way that is secure but also in a way that promotes innovation
0: what caused the white house to take an interest in drones
1: really the the technology has you know improved so much and so uh, as well as the you know both the hardware and the software, and the the cameras, and all of it, and so um, given the the amazing safety and efficiency benefits that drones have to offer, there was an enhanced interest within the federal government, both to be users of drones, uh, both you know for government purposes, as well as you know to open the marketplace. They're getting a lot of pressure from industry who is interested in using drones for uh, industrial Agricultural, you know, package delivery, disaster response, and other purposes, and so you know, with that pressure, you know, I still remember our first, our first uh, meeting that we ho- hosted at the White House with all of the federal government entities who are interested in the topic and asking, you know, so what does it mean? Like what are we actually trying to do here? Uh you know, in this conference room, um, you know, thinking about we had a whiteboard up and thinking about like what does it mean to have drones flying undermanned aircraft, you know, next to helicopters, over structures, over people in our cities, in rural communities, you know, what does this actually mean? What are we trying to do and how can we enable this?
0: So did you directly have several conversations with the president about drones? I think I'm I'm certainly interested to know what Barack Obama's opinion was when you first started discussing with him all the amazing things drones can do, because I think the av- average person doesn't really understand that a drone can inspect a power line that a drone can deliver an organ, that a drone can lay fertilizer, you know. And so I'm curious to know, what was President Obama's reaction when you first kind of started telling him all the amazing things drones can do?
1: Oh, he, he was excited. He was excited. I mean, he's a huge fan of technology. He's a f- huge fan of emerging technologies generally. Uh, he likes to think critically about, you know, how we can how we can integrate new technologies in a way that makes sense for the public, in a way that wins the public's trust. Um, you know, we we talked a lot about it. I've also spoken with him since, you know, he's been out of office. He remains excited about commercial drone technology. So this is definitely something that that he's very excited about.
0: That's great to hear. And it actually, at least, you know, publicly, it seems something that President Obama and President Donald Trump kind of agree on. At least the message appears to be continuing because we are seeing a continued interest um, by the federal government in developing the commercial drone industry. So I think it's always funny because I have people who are saying, wait a minute, they they agree on it? And I say, as far as I can tell, because, you know, it, it seems the interest has only grown. And, and that certainly was laid, the foundation for that was laid by you and by the Obama administration. But it appears that the Trump administration is kind of continuing that.
1: Absolutely. And this is a very bipartisan issue. There's bipartisan support for the growth of the commercial drone industry. Uh, You know, obviously, I come from having worked in a Democratic administration, but work very closely with the Trump White House now on on these same issues. Right. And um, and. The administration has been great to work with. Obviously, I think the IPP was an important executive branch program focused on enabling the industry, Um, and there have been, and you know, there's been more. So it's absolutely a bipartisan issue. This isn't something where political differences are stark in any way. And in fact, I think we can all unite behind um, seeking to enable commercial drones and public use of drones in the way that benefits society for all of us.
0: You know, as I talk with you today, yesterday was International Women's Day, or I may be getting the exact lingo wrong, but I know yesterday was about celebrating women. And, you know, I saw a lot of interesting posts about how every day we should celebrate women. And that's something I'm passionate about and that I agree with. I like seeing women in positions of leadership and power because I believe only through diversity can we really get a full viewpoint of a specific topic that we're all interested in. And, you know, that kind of leads me into the fact that in 2015, you were actually recognized as one of Fortune magazine's most powerful women. So congratulations to that. Thank you. Um, why don't you speak a little bit about the emerging, um, the increasing number of women you are seeing involved in the commercial drone industry? Because I know just since I started delving to this industry a couple of years ago, I've seen more and more, which I think is great.
1: Absolutely, and that's a passion project of mine. And I've met with several other women. Um, there are some very strong women in this industry. There are relatively few of few of us, but um, but nonetheless, very very strong and brilliant and amazing and inspiring women that are helping lead this industry in 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 a way that is you know very exciting for me. I think you know mentoring women who want to get into the industry, um, talking to students, talk, you know supporting STEM, getting women excited about. Drones early on, um, you know, and helping mentor younger women, I think, is very imp- important for all of us who are in this industry. And um, I think that will the industry will be better off for it, right? Um, we're uh, the more the industry can as well appeal to women as consumers, I think, will be better for for the industry too. So, um, you know, it is you know, I agree with you, Grant, and thank you um, for that. I, you know, I do, I don't necessarily, you know, day to day, I don't really think about, you know, my gender. Luckily, I feel like I'm in a very supportive work environment and I love working with all my clients and supporting them and what they're doing. Um, but I definitely recognize that it's important to, diversify I mean, you know you go to some of these trade shows and you look around and it is overwhelmingly male and that makes sense i mean a lot of the kind of predecessor industries which is fed into the drone industry whether it's you know from the commercial side the technology side The, um, you know, law enforcement side, the toys and consumer side, you know, are more overwhelmingly male. And so that just means that we need to double our efforts to make sure that we have um, support women getting into this industry as well. I agree. And thank you for that. I have two young daughters. And so every now and then they'll
0: ask me more and more questions about drones. And although, you know, I definitely am coming from it more from the legal side of things, not the technical, I definitely try and teach them as much as possible because I think everyone, men and women, have a future in this industry. I think that drone education and awareness is such a critical part to helping the industry continue to evolve. And, you know, I I really would like to see more STEM programs, more drone education in actual schools. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Absolutely. I mean, you know, our schools should be teaching at a young age. And this is where you see, you know, um, I think that there's a lot that we can do here because getting young girls interested in drone technology at a young age, you know, will enable them to have the knowledge and experience moving forward and through their careers, you know, to succeed, but also even just to stimulate their interests at a young age. And so that is absolutely, I think, really important and um, an area where all of us could, frankly, do better
0: you know, I'm glad you said that because I think there are a lot of men in the industry that want to empower women and help them succeed. And one of the questions that I think we're always asking is, what can we do? what can men do to help women succeed in this industry? And it sounds like you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's about educating them, informing them, supporting them, letting them know this is not a gender thing. Anyone is capable of taking advantage of the commercial drone industry.
1: Absolutely. It has
0: so many great things to offer. It's definitely something that is also heavily impacted by public perception, though. And I kind of want to go into that. What effect do you think The actual public's perceptions of drones will have on its ability to be integrated into the national airspace?
1: Well, I think public perception has a, you know, greatly affects the integration of drones into our national airspace. And I say that as someone who used to work in the federal government and was on the receiving end of a lot of inquiries about privacy issues, you know, concerns from the public. And I think that it's very important, you know, as the public learns more and more about the use of drones. Uh, in their communities, and how they're saving lives, and increasing efficiencies, and saving taxpayer dollars, and helping companies succeed, they're more excited about it. They want to, you know, they want to receive their own packages with a drone. They want to, they want to benefit from the use of, you know, whether it's delivering medical supplies, to, um, you know, to enhancing in power line inspections in their communities, they want to benefit. And they realize now that it's not, you know, in popular culture, you know, almost every TV show has, you know, some kind of drone spying episode, like the, the neighbor spying over them with the drone, right? And I think of the modern family example. This is something that consumers and just people across our, our country have seen and that's, you know, what comes to mind when they hear about drones, but. The, well, yeah.
0: in the new Spider-Man movie drones are the villain. Yeah. That's
1: oh, so. <laughs> right. So, so that's not helpful. Right. So, I'll, you know, part of the challenge is on the industry. And this is something where the commercial drone alliance really tries to help educate the community and educate, not just within the industry, but just educate consumers and, in you know, folks across in towns and communities across this country about the benefits of drone use so that there is increased public acceptance. Because I do know, you know, if, when the American people are clamoring for their drones to be delivered, when they're clamoring for their pipelines and power lines in their communities to be inspected with drones because there are so many benefits there, the federal government will will respond.
0: Absolutely. And you brought up the Commercial Drone Alliance. Um, First of all, I want to thank you for all the great work you and the rest of the leadership in the alliance have done in serving the commercial drone industry and helping the companies involved in the alliance, uh, you know, put their best feet forward or best foot forward in terms of promoting Commercial Drone Alliance, showing the public how drones are capable of immense good, educating the public, educating Government agencies advocating on behalf of these companies, so I think all of us and you know who are involved in the alliance owe you a debt of gratitude for all the great work you guys do um, so why don't you tell me a little bit about how why you started the alliance and how that took off?
1: Uh, well thank you for that grant and it's wonderful to work with you in the alliance capacity. I'm so glad that we have the opportunity to do so. You know, the Commercial Drone Alliance has been a labor of love, I would say, a passion project for me, for Gretchen West, who was one of who was my co-founder for, on the alliance. You know, several years ago, I guess this was back in 2015 now, we recognized that there was seemed to be a gap kind of in the marketplace for a policy advocacy organization, um, an alliance of companies that was specifically focused on moving the commercial drone industry forward. And not just small drones, but also larger drones and just, you know, commercial dro- and in, you know, not focusing on hobbyists, not focusing on military, but simply focusing on the commercial drone industry. And we were getting asked, you know, I was getting asked from some folks in the federal government, you know, who do we talk to just about commercial, the commercial drone industry in particular, we were also getting a lot of um feedback from the commercial drone community that there was that there was, you know, that they were looking for an alliance that spoke specifically for them. And that's where the commercial drone alliance was born. It was born from, you know, these companies, leaders in the industry wanting to come together and have a voice that is stronger than any one company speaking on its own. Um We're always, you know, stronger together. We, you know, it's a fantastic group, growing quickly, um, focusing on how do we grow the commercial drone industry in a way that is safe and secure, working with the federal government, working with other stakeholders to do so.
0: Let's talk a little bit about remote ID, because I do think as time goes on. We're going to hear more and more about it. Of course, the NPRM came out on New Year's Eve, and it was very long awaited in the industry. We've been waiting for it for, well, arguably, you know, people like you and, and others who've been in this industry a long time have been waiting for it an incredibly long time. And so it, it certainly is a significant development, and it kind of plays right into that public acceptance issue we were discussing. Um, I know the CDA Submitted its comments on uh, March 2nd about uh, responding to various provisions within the NPRM. Do you want to touch a little bit on the positions that, as a group, we in this uh, CDA took?
1: Absolutely. I mean, as you know, as you noted, Grant, remote ID is critical for our industry to really take off because in order to get to, you know, there's all these amazing benefits of commercial drones, which we've talked about some of those, but really in order to scale, the industry needs to be able to fly beyond visual on a site, fly over people, fly at night in a way that is broadly authorized, not on an on approval by approval basis. And while part 107 was a big step forward, you know, back in what, 2016 was when it was implemented, it didn't broadly open the door for expanded drone operations, which is where we need to go. And back in 2016, the federal government national security agencies essentially raised their hands and said, wait a second, before we get to any expanded operations, we need remote identification. We need drone security. We need a virtual drone license plate requirement that enables us to identify drones that are flying and help us enforce the laws and rules that are on the books. And that's where the, you know, so this has been going on, as you say, for several years now, we've been focused on what does, what do we need for a remote ID requirement? What should it look like? There was an aviation rulemaking committee back in 2017, Matt and ARC, that that presented a report to the federal government the federal government took quite a long time to try to implement that report, and that ended up in the NPRM, which, as you noted, was released uh, right over the holiday time, Great, ho- some holiday reading for the industry. At the uh, last
0: possible time, right? Wasn't it the very last <laughs> the day?
1: The last possible time. It was right at the end of the year. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of good that was in the NPRM. I mean, it was more than 300 pages, 400 pages or so. It was very, very dense and in. in a lot of detail there. There was a lot of thought that went into it. Um, you know, we strongly, as an alliance, the CDA strongly supports the spirit of that FA proposal. We want to be able to harness this um, potential of the commercial drone industry. We need remote identification to get there. We definitely have some comments. We commented, um, you know, which I'm happy to go into in depth, maybe on an, you know, another um, podcast. But, um, you know, we were focused on promoting network-based solutions, protecting privacy. Uh, You know, operator privacy is a big issue, whether, you know, your public entity or a news gatherer or any kind of commercial entity, Um, you know, that that's something that needs to be considered. Um, Enhancing flexibility around the FRIA process. There are these remote ID free zones. You know, we think, that there needs to be additional flexibility there, including to support the modeler and recreational communities. Um, you, you know, I think our, I think just as if I would kind of summarize, I, you know, we were focused on preventing unintended consequences or limiting unintended consequences that would unnecessarily restrict our, our industry in any way and helping educate, trying to educate the FAA about what those unintended consequences might be and how in some potential solutions
0: Thanks for that, Lisa, and I definitely would like to get into this more on another episode because this is such a huge development for the industry. I mean, I would say it's almost up there with, you know, part 107, which came out about, what, four years ago? I mean, it's very, or three years ago, it's very significant. Um, you played a vital role in that, so all of us at the Commercial Drone Alliance and I think in the industry in general, thank you for that and for all the great work you guys did with that. So, in closing, I kind of want to talk about something a, a little um, off the grid here. Why don't I want to know what Barack Obama was like as a law professor?
1: <laughs> he was a great professor. You know, it was fu- it's funny now because he was it was an eight thirty in the morning class, and I was it was like a two L and three L. Uh, class, And so it wasn't one else. So in other words, it wasn't a required class for law students. And because it was so early, at that time, he was a state senator in Illinois. um, Because it was so early, it was, um, you know, there weren't that many people in the class. I mean, it was a pretty relatively small class. It was constitutional law. If only Um, people had known. (laughs) If only people had known. It's kind of funny looking back on this now. But but yeah, he was a great professor. I mean, he was very focused on, um, you know, the whole first half of the class was the history of the Constitution. He was, very um, interested in the in all of the you know history of of everything rather than jumping into some of the hot button constitutional law topics but i will say you know one thing that really strikes me as i look back you you know if you didn't know his political political views you would never have any Sense of where he stood on any given issue. He was really good at kind of taking, you know, whatever his views might be. Just you know, asking students what they thought and not really giving away anything about what he thought personally. So, you know, it was or
0: judging the students based or on their judging thoughts.
1: the students in any way. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, it was it was a great class, and you know, kind of surreal to think back about the fact that uh, that he became president. So
0: and the doors that open for you. I mean, that's great. But, of course, I think you probably would have gotten to this point anyway, even without that. But that's that's phenomenal. So, uh, Lisa, thank you so much for joining the program. We're definitely going to have you on again. And uh, again, thank you and the Alliance for everything you guys do. And we look forward to catching up soon.
1: Sounds great. Thank you so much, Grant. Thanks for having me.